We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hello there, listeners. I just wanted to mention a couple things before we get to my interview with legendary Grandmaster Vlastimil Hort. Number one, if you're newer to chess or are not familiar with Grandmaster Hort, you should definitely read up on him. The best way to do that is probably to buy his book, My Chess Stories which has an amazing compendium of 64 stories, some of which we discuss in this show. Number two, of course, you should listen to this interview, but if you're having any trouble understanding what is said in this interview, then I also will be publishing a transcript. So to find the transcript, just go to the show description in the podcast. I'm not entirely sure when the transcript will be available. Hopefully it's when the show comes out, but if it's not, just check back for it in the show description. It'll be added when it's there. You can also always go to perpetualchesspod.com to look for the transcript or, of course, follow me on social media twitter or the perpetual chess facebook group and i will drop it when it's available but grandmaster horde is a legend of the game and he's got some amazing stories so whether you appreciate the audio or choose to sit down and read the transcript i think you will enjoy hearing his perspective so let's do that now and let's get to the interview (laughs) 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess. We have another treat for you guys this week, another legend of the game. He is a Czech-German grandmaster born in what was then Czechoslovakia and was among the world's best players in the 1960s, 70s, and into the 80s, and he's been playing um, up through this current decade. Um, he was the five-time national champion in Czechoslovakia. He emigrated to West Germany in 1985 and was the three-time West German national champion, a 14-time Olympiad participant for uh, both countries. Uh, he's played every world champion from Botvinnik through Anand, with the exception of Kramnik. So just an amazing treasure trove of stories. Uh, he's co-author of the classic instructional chess book, The Best Move, which has some very challenging puzzles for you guys, if you aren't familiar with that uh, classic book. And he's out with a relatively new and recently translated book called My Chess Stories that I have had the opportunity to read. And it's just Great for this podcast. It's just uh, 64 stories from Grandmaster Hort's uh, time in the game. Of course, he had so many brush with legends and uh, so many um, amazing encounters as well as memorable games. So it was a real pleasure to read about it. Um, and I am excited to welcome him to the show. So Grandmaster Hort, thank you for joining us. Yes, I thank to you, Ben. Thank you. Um, my pleasure. And listeners, we're doing this by phone, so I hope the sound is okay. And I should say Grandmaster Hort has been a bit self-conscious about his English. I think it sounds great. So I'm more concerned about the sound than his English, but I think both will be worthwhile to get to hear the stories of uh, such a legend. Yeah. Uh, well, I am prepared. Uh, I am waiting for eventually your your questions. Yeah, you mentioned this book, and uh, yes. Okay. Well, Grandmaster Hort, I've read the book and greatly enjoyed it. And on this podcast, I've I've been privileged to interview some other legends like yourself, as well as um, trainers and uh, uh, other modern top players. Um, even adults working to get better at chess. But we always like to hear uh, great stories, both about brushes with great players. I know you've had many. Um, and just about sort of chess and context. And one of my favorite stories from your book was your story of traveling to Hastings in 1967. Um, I felt oh. like that story really provided a, a perspective for how far chess has come in the intervening, I guess it's five decades and three years. So this is a yeah. tournament that you ultimately won, but could you tell our listeners just a bit about the experience of getting there? Because it was really amazing yeah. to me. <laughs> yes, I uh, was just without any money from the Czech Federation, and uh, I came late to England uh, and I had to spend my my night in completely uh, it was cold uh, just terrible and so I found myself just to get uh, under the tree you know uh, and suddenly I was disturbed because uh, there was snow and the policeman uh, uh, discovered me there and uh, it was nice because <laughs> uh, I could spend uh, the rest uh, on the police station. And they, I sh of course, I showed my 
passport and I had no money, so they gave me even covered and I could spend it in uh, one room where normally criminals, uh, they, they did tea for me and since that time, next uh, time, next uh, day, I was lucky because I was not controlled, even <laughs> you know. And so, my uh, I appreciate the tree. Yeah. So let me. Ju- I just want to give listeners a little bit more context. So, um, so Grandmaster Hort was not given much money. Um, or any money by the Czechoslovakian chess federation or the country for this tournament. He's already the, I believe the top player in the country and a top 20 player in the world, certainly in the top two players. Um, And to get there, you, you wrote in the book that you took a train to a boat and then you arrive in England and you still have to get to the tournament site and you end up sleeping in the park because there's no other place. Uh, You're not able to get to finalize transportation to the, the playing site, and then a police officer finds you and takes you to the police station. So and for the last part of the night, instead of um, sleeping in the park, you're at the police station. And this is a, a world, world-class world chess player. So Grandmaster Hort, we, we know that you ultimately emigrated from Czechoslovakia, but um, how did it feel at the time? Were you angry or was this just the way things were back then? Uh, yes, actually, the truth about my emigration is, uh, you know how it was. Of course, I didn't like communism at all, but uh, I was waiting for my son. Uh, he uh, somehow was thinking of joining me, and from this part, I was playing for Prago Sport, you know, it was organization that uh, actually sold ice hockey player to Switzerland, also uh, compars the whole uh, ice uh, holiday on ice was Czech, and we just had to give the money uh, to communism and uh, it cost me also my work for Hilgert, you know. He had to pay something like 60,000 mark in the time. It was a lot of money. Wow. Um, Yeah, so you you waited for your son to to get older in in order to emigrate. But but in your time as a chess player, um, how, how... frustrating was it i mean was it like at what point did you know that you wanted to emigrate and where um and how did you plan it and stuff like that yes i uh, was planning it and it was the highest time you know i emigrated direct i went from my last uh, interzonal tournament in uh, source and i in uh, tunis you know I believe that I had some chances, uh, you know, there. I was, uh, at the end, I lost some games with Yermenkov, and I could also beat Shuba from Romania, and now they are, I think both of them, they are still existing. And my, uh, how would I say it, uh, my, uh, that should uh, just take care of me, you know, he was also my second uh, 
and uh, I just let him because um, he was uh, he liked to eat uh, uh, ice, and I went for him, and I let in the hotel. Please give me time, you know. His name was Rabetz. And but he did not. He went strictly uh, to uh, Czech embassy, and you know Tunis was not so good. So what I did when I was passing the control to get to Lufthansa, strict to Germany, I let I played a bank. I let two hundred dollars in my passport so that they let me go and the guy who was just controlling it uh, he took it and he said yes please follow the line and you go wow so i met uh, in the uh, there were already in the plan sosongo and again gm sosongo who also played there in this tournament and i opened uh, my bottle of champagne there and uh, then I called to home May Day, May Day it was just to my mother that uh, she was living silly at that time so that uh, we agreed that uh, May Day so I am in Germany forever Wow, that must so that must have been I'm, I mean I'm sure a flood of emotions, both good and bad, I mean you had you had wanted that for a long time, um, but you le- you left some family behind. So, w- one question I had is, how did you know to 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 leave the two hundred dollars in the passport? Had someone given you that advice? Yeah, because uh, he could also stop me. You know why he, the guy does not go to Czechoslovakia, but he goes to Germany. You know, th- it was possible in that time. Wow. And uh, my my guy, who uh, was my secondant, he went strictly to the Czech embassy, and he said, "No, he is now leaving us, probably." You know, so <laughs> I I did it. Well, wow. it was worth of my <laughs> escape. And did you already speak some German at the time? Yes, perfect. Oh, that's that must have helped a lot. So, how were you able to get situated in Germany? Yes, uh, well, actually, I was there already working as a trainer from Pragosport, and you also find this uh, Hilgert also in some stories in yes. my book. Yeah, he was nice fellow. He paid it till the end, what he should pay. It. He does not need it. And he was really taking um, also my interest. Uh, in the hand, uh, you know, uh, he was uh, visiting in the time still was alive, uh, Vishnevsky, who organized also this Mogadishu, you know, in the time was terrible. Some uh, plan was taken from terrorists and uh, this guy said, okay, Mr. Hort, it is uh, some public interest that he stayed here and so I got very easily check uh, papers well I'm I'm glad that that was able to work to work out and 
Again, uh, there's so many 64 stories in the book, uh, as I mentioned, and uh, so many of them are great. So we won't be able to cover them all. But in light of uh, Grandmaster Lubomir Kovalik's recent uh, passing away, um, I actually uh, recently on the show, I had uh, I am John Donaldson, who was friendly with him and um, told a few stories about Grandmaster Kovalik. Um, and I know that his name comes up in your book in a memor- memorable yeah. story involving Brezhnev. Um, um, would you be able to share a bit of that story and maybe some, some general <laughs> memories? Well, it was, I was very sorry about Lubos. He passed away I, and I got a uh, uh, report on him. I was very sad because he was actually half a year young, uh, older than me, and I still saw him last year in Prague. And um, he died on Krebs. I don't know. Uh, he was still there. He was also working for GMA and with Besselkoch and all this. And this story was that uh, we got also suddenly report that Brezhnev died, and uh, actually I said no, I cannot. Now many delegation states and they sitting, I did understand not the uh, Swiss diplomacy on this. Maybe they should say it as before, and so I said, no, I will not uh, sit here. This is really terrible, because he decided uh, Brezhnev it was last uh, voice for Czech uh, uh, overfall. You know, this Warsaw Pact came then through him. So I went and I found the Lubos there. He was there also uh, on the toilet. <laughs> And so, actually, we spent there pissing on Brezhnev <laughs> this time. And we were just two, two checks, the same idea. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, two checks, one idea. So, basically, uh, yeah, yeah they, they didn't want to be there for this ceremony honoring Brezhnev. So, they both escaped to the bathroom, unbeknownst to the other at the same time. So, yeah. just, just a, a, gr- a great story. Um, yes. Um, and so you, in addition to your, your sort of more interpers, interpersonal stories, like we're, we're sharing, I also enjoyed the one about the sort of pact you made with, uh, Grandmaster Bronstein. Um, of course you had many legendary, uh, over the board encounters with, with, uh, so many of these players. Um, so I'd like to get into a few of those stories, Grandmaster Hort, but first we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. As always, Perpetual Chess is proud to be brought to you in part by Chessable.com. Chessable is a chess learning website that utilizes its Move Trainer technology to help you learn and remember opening lines, tactical patterns, and end games. It is endorsed by GM Magnus Carlsen and features courses from I am John Bartholomew, Sam Shanklin, Wesley So, and so many others. Chessable has over 100,000 members and features hundreds of courses, both for free and for purchase. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please go to chessable.com and take a look around. Back to the interview. Okay, and we are back. And uh, Grandmaster Hort, there's there's so many great stories um, and you know so many legendary encounters, but one that I uh, particularly enjoyed was... Um, your, your story involving uh, making a draw offer to uh, former world champion Bob Finnick 
Could could you share the details of that one? Yes, it was very strange because we had some terrible discussion. Uh, we, we played the tournament. It really happened in Monte Carlo. And uh, he wanted to win the tournament. But uh, Larsen was uh, also involved. And I had a giant game with Larsen. And suddenly came a call, telephone. And it was Botvinnik. And to me, he wanted to show me uh, some variation in this game. And I was very angry. I said to him, here, I analyze well enough and you just want to help me because you want to win this tournament. It is not the way, you know. I am not used to it, to such a help. And we got very angry and he just put the phone, you know, and then we, I played him next day. And uh, actually, uh, it was strange. He came, he did not give me the hand. You know, we just sit there. I, he pressed me in the game, but in completely drawing position. I offered him draw in Russian, in English, and he was sitting there. And imagine I came suddenly to the board and there is nobody just... Uh, uh, formula, yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, he left already and uh, the referee said to me, well, Mr. Hort, if you wish, you won the game because uh, he just left the game. I will be your witness, but think of it very carefully. I saw very carefully and then I signed it and I left him, but it was my last uh, when I really saw Botvinnik. Yeah. He so. was not uh, kind of sympathy of me. He was already, you know, uh, Mr. Johnson, he was also Stalinist, you know, and about him is uh, nothing uh, active, nothing uh, to say what would help him somehow. He, I did not like him. Maybe he also, uh, he saved uh, the Keres. I was later in Keres at home, and I wanted to know why did you lose 3-1. to one. But um, Keres did not answer to me. He, giving, he was giving me whiskey, you know, and all this. And uh, so it is for me somehow forever... Uh, yeah, the, the Russians, they uh, were just keeping the, the, their mouths shut. Keres was, of course, uh, with Alekhain, uh, that is, I did not see him there, but he could still explain Czechoslovakia. Keres was born, I think, in 1916, and uh, he died during the tournament in Tallinn. He was still excellent. He won the tournament. You know, he was suffering from some illness, and when he was uh, very all right, so he was uh, still uh, also at the end a very good player. He beat Taimanov in the tournament, and he won very convincingly.
Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you what is still also for you interesting. My wife uh, Brigitte uh, and me, we are working on second uh, part. Uh, so it uh, it means that we will uh, have also second uh, book. We have already many anecdotes together, and uh, so I am thinking we are thinking really to the next part. And uh, maybe this will appear uh, at the end of the year. Oh, that would be that's great to hear. I I look forward to that. Um, so the Botvinnik draw draw offer story. Um, so it's also explained in the book. But I just wanted to make sure I, I understood what happened. So the the game is it's it's becoming clear it's going to be a draw. And as you mentioned, you yeah. had you had the interaction with him where he tried to help you prepare for an opponent where you didn't feel it was appropriate yeah. already. So you you offer him a draw, as you say, in, in many languages to make sure that he understands. Yeah. And of course, the, the etiquette is that if the opponent makes a move, that means that they've turned down the draw offer. So am I correct that he then made the move and then just left? Yeah, yeah, yes. So- so, exactly. Okay. So they and then the arbiter said that 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 gave you the right to claim a win if you wanted, but you yeah. didn't you didn't feel right about that. No, I did not like it. So somehow I just signed it, and I said I don't. I hope I don't see Botwinik anymore. So I guess you guys were not on the best of terms, having different political um, views. Um, but so what do you think? Why wouldn't he just accept the draw offer if if it's a draw? Was it a person? Was it because of your relationship with him? Or why do you think he yeah, did that? Yeah, it was also from the already day before with Larsen, this right. accident. You know, and uh, he didn't like that I make him really... Uh, like I uh, was uh, saying, yes, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and of course that story of of your sportsmanship calls to mind um, the the legendary story of uh, the candidates match against Spassky in 1977, where where you guys uh, both um, both had some health issues, but basically, yeah. he... see, I still remember it. Yes, I was winning completely, and I just forgot about the time. Yeah. <laughs> that so well actually he needed to win this because he said afterwards we were not on good terms long time but uh, now he's already dying he's in very bad shape he had to leave his wife Marina Scherbakova and you know uh, they had one son and uh, they told me Kramnik that this son was uh, Junkie was taking hashish and all this, and uh, Marina wanted to make even Spassky. He wa- wa- she wanted to have uh, over him the uh, power just to take this money from um, uh, from him. You know, he had this money still from uh, Fisher's fight in uh, Swati Stefan. And then Kramnik also played there some role that, uh, you know, uh, he had to arrange for Spassky new passport in the Soviet embassy. 
and uh, also he Spassky then had to leave, take passport, and immediately he left uh, uh, to the airport and then to Moscow. I did not see him lately, but he is really in very bad shape. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I had I had heard sort of whispers about that, but but I'm sorry to hear that. So when did this this story involving uh, Kramnik securing a passport? Wh- when did that take place? Uh, I don't know exactly. Some years ago, okay. I talked to Spassky, to Kramnik, but uh, somehow I lost. Uh, time where it was but it really was true you know i saw him spasky also we were invited uh, to fisher still one year later and it was very funny because they invited uh, everybody uh, also lombardi i still could see lombardi was I don't know, I think you know the name, William yes, Lombardi. He was in the time 180 kilos. And he could not play chess anymore, and Spassky also could not play. So we played there one tournament where Portish was there, Benke was there, uh, Olafsson and me, and the tournament Mon Van Portis, yes, I came second in this uh, time, and uh, but uh, Marina was there also, and I saw already it does not functioning well. Paski yeah. said to me, one, you know, Fisher was not uh, so interesting, I think it was true, maybe not, uh, but he won the main battle in his life it was to go get away from soviet union yeah so maybe so i don't know yeah so so many players like the uh the aforementioned grandmaster jenna sasanko um yeah yeah, f- yeah. fought uh, fought similar battles unfortunately yes, but Korchnoi also yeah. yeah of course um what were your what were your interactions with uh Korchnoi, like well, I actually, we talk about it already in one Hastings, you know. He said to me, want to leave, and he want to have advice from him where he, where, what land he should take, you know. So I gave him some, maybe I said to him, Swiss would be the best, because the Russians could not do much block blockade of you when you are Swiss, when you play under Swiss. But Korchnoi I had rather good relationship. So he took your advice? Yeah, at the end, at the end. Excellent. Um, so, and the story that you told relating to uh, Keres and... Um, and Batfinik. Could could you go into that a bit more? I'm not sure I caught all of all of the details. Uh, you mean uh, what happened uh, when I got uh, with my uh, uh, yeah at the end uh, yeah when I fall uh, down from my chair yeah. That oh, that one I remember as well. But didn't you tell a story um, when I asked you about the draw for story with Botfinick? You mentioned that Kerry's had a match with Bot with uh, Botfinick that that he lost three to one. Yeah, yeah, 
Yes, and but he did not give me answer to ah, it okay. because Botvinnik uh, uh, probably he did it. He uh, went to Stalin in the time, and uh, you know, uh, I was wondering. Uh, Keres had to repay it by losing three to one, but he never tell me if it was true or not. He okay. was just he just keep silent. Okay. And you did give some details on one sort of similar story, which I'll, I'll ask you about in a minute. But first, I wanted to get into the first of many listener questions. Um, so thanks, thanks to all the supporters of the podcast for sending in questions. And this one is from Michael Allard, who asks, he says, um, many stories have been told about Soviet players working together during tournaments. What is your perspective on this as a participant in many tournaments with top Soviet players? In general, did it feel like it was the USSR versus everyone else, or did it feel like they were just compatriots playing the same tournament? Yeah, well, uh, mostly they were correct. Uh, yes, mostly. But of course, uh, at the end, uh, they had to think, uh, you know, they have been representing such a might country in chess, you know, so sometimes some of them were not correct, you know. They just were throwing the games. Uh, I could give you example who did it. Uh, very famous was Karpov through it because once Mislov told me in Interpolis where Karpov were winning, how would I say it almost each year, he said, well, how can I pass the border in this game? How can I uh, say no to draws? And if you really control it, then you will find that Karpov lost never to Soviet chess player in the period of 11 years. Wow. And at the same time, he lost to Portish, to Larsen, to Hartmann, total uh, nobody from Germany. So uh, you really have to uh, accept my explanation. The Russians were forbidden to beat Karpov, you know, because there was always a threat they will never go to the chess tournament anymore. Wow. I am saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of any games where it looked like where Karpov was playing a fellow Soviet player and it looked like his position was bad and then he didn't lose? Or do you think that it was mostly um, steered, steered away from him potentially losing earlier than that? Yes. Uh, also, Fischer was convinced that he is winning. He was still following Karpov and he is also convinced that uh, Karpov uh, was not correct that the Russians had to let him. We have in German uh, uh, one expression, Wasserträger. I don't know whether you uh, go with it. It is a guy who is just um, bringing water to uh, the chief who will then maybe had a finish like in bicycles. Uh, you know that they, but uh, Karpov has uh, not good cards here. Okay. You know there is also I can, if you really still have interest, uh, tell you one game that I am sure 
that Carpo won it without game. It's from Bugoino. He came to me and uh, he want to drink uh, vodka, uh, you know, and then really it came. I had to let him win this game so, from Carpo. So, sorry, when, when and where was the game? In Bugoino, Meran, very famous game, Meran, a variation, you can see the game. Okay. And Karpov really is here, he has a not good cards. Okay. And you also told the story in the book of um, the, the, the rumored uh, Mark Taimanov candidates match. You said that uh, um, Grandmaster Milan Matilovic told you... Told you a story yeah. relating to the candidates in 1970 on a similar, similar, um, in a similar theme, I should say. Yeah, yes, uh, he got Taimanov uh, six hundred dollars for it. You know, Matulovic were just uh, uh, just playing a theater, and uh, you know, Matulovic was also not uh, highly good. He, he took also one. Uh, move back against Bilek in Interzone and Turnier and his argumentation was I did 1,000 good moves so I can take one back he was not he was also very much in uh, uh, Red Milieu and his uh, there is also about him this uh, his aunt was always waiting for him and taking him the money and uh, why he also uh, adjourned the game was uh, without three pawn he didn't give it up so uh, because uh, his aunt was reading Politica it was uh, a newspaper and uh, he was there higher in the uh, standing <laughs> So he played it just for his out. Huh. Yeah. And um, so Matu Volovic, as you mentioned, he didn't have a reputation as being, um, he wasn't considered trustworthy. As you say, there was the, they called him Zhadubovic because he had the, a famous game where he grabbed a piece and then said Zhadub and there were some yeah, other yeah. questionable, <laughs> yes, yes. questionable. Yeah, Bilek was it, yeah. And uh, this is very funny. Next time he uh, came against Bilek and he was playing it standing. <laughs> Imagine he won. Even. <laughs> he played a tempo and he won. So uh, you can sing about justice in chess. Yeah. So, but do you find him to be definitely reliable when he says he received $600 to, to lose to Taimanov? Yes, of course, of course, of course. There's no way he would lie about that given his no. other? Okay. No, no. Just, just checking. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've got some more listener questions for you, Grandmaster Hort, but first we're going to take another break and hear from our friends at Chess Mood. Perpetual Chess is brought to you in part by ChessMood.com. Here is what Chess Mood offers. It is a subscription-based website that provides a comprehensive opening repertoires both for white and for black. They also have middle game and end game videos from their cast of professional Grandmaster trainers. They also have some free content that you can check out. Grandmaster Avchek Gregorian, who's their founder and you can hear on episode 192 of Perpetual Chess, has a blog where he writes about common challenges 
for tournament players that you can check out for free. And they also started offering free YouTube videos called Daily Lessons with the Grandmaster. So go to their website, check out what they have to offer, and be sure to subscribe to their YouTube as well. And let's get back to the interview. And we are back, and we have another listener question. This is from longtime friend of the podcast, Brian Karen, who also, of course, uh, founded the extremely popular Facebook chess book collectors group, so quite knowledgeable about chess history. And um, Brian asks you, Grandmaster Hort, he says that they had a chess talent test used, used to identify pr- promising youngsters in, uh, in Czechoslovakia, and that you did incredibly well. And he was wondering if you could provide an opinion and a description of what that test was like. Uh, excuse me, I did not uh, understand full the question. What okay. Shall I? Yeah. Uh, Brian, Brian Karen mentioned that he had read that as a child you took a test um, that, showed ah, yeah. that, that showed that you were talented at chess, and he was wondering if you could yeah. describe that test. Ah, yeah. <laughs> talent. What is talent in chess? I think Lubojevic was very talented you know i think it is that you can see uh, those who uh, it means uh, around the corner so uh, you have just to see what is coming to you uh Lubojevic was also talented uh, i had with him the horrible score uh tony miles was also talented but what is talent? I don't know it. What do you, well, what do you what do you think it is? What what constitutes chess talent in your mind? Uh, talent, yeah, it is part of you are working also very hard. Portish was very famous. He worked on chess eight hours in his best time per day. I think nobody worked like Lyos. I saw him, Lajos, he still plays chess, but he likes singing more than chess, so <laughs> he's a widower and his wife was taking care also of his financial matters, and Katerina is already dead for many times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a just life. Yeah, I was, uh, he was very maybe gifted, but uh, I don't have uh, any, uh, how would I, definition of talent now. I'm sorry. Uh, either okay. you have it or you don't have it. And you did mention somewhere in the book that you've, you feel that you have a good memory. Yeah, of course. Memory, I, this is necessary. It's part of talent. Yeah, I could... Uh, Remember, I was very proud of middle game. You know, I wanted always to uh, decide the games not in the opening, but uh, in the middle game. So I was no good theoretician, but I studied middle game uh, in Czechoslovakia very much on my uh, weekend house. I closed myself and uh, I wanted to know where the pieces uh, have to go, you know, how does it function? It's maybe some kind okay. of talent. Yeah, and an- another listener wrote in to ask, um, how did your training evolve over the years? And, and what advice would you have given uh, from your later self to your younger self as an improving chess player? Yeah, is, is I any- understand this. 
Well, first of all, I suppose they love chess. It is necessary. And uh, then uh, everybody has to find his way. You know, I also was saying in chess, well, if I get this question, you have to play chess like you are uh, having problems with cats, you know. It means uh, in the same direction, not against the, uh, not against the direction, if you <laughs> care about the cats, yes. But, uh, yes, uh, this is all my explanation. And, and you mentioned when you, that you preferred studying openings to to middle, I mean, sorry, you preferred studying middle games to openings. Um, so what was your method for studying middle games? Middle game, yeah, I was getting through the books that I was interesting, you know, you have a lot of books. I remember I was from uh, Hans Kmoch, I was uh, taking his advantage and uh, I also I like very much the book Rubinstein wins. Hans Kmoch, uh, Rubinstein could not do it, so Hans Kmoch uh, did it for him and then uh, he became, became the money from him, Rubinstein. I met the son of Rubinstein, imagine still, in Belgium was he son, and he looked like Akiba Rubinstein. About Akiba Rubinstein, uh, you tell, they call, Polish chess friend let him stay, he was Jewish, so they let him stay in one sanatorium, and when the war was over so he was really crazy he was crazy a little bit and so it is also one who suffered very much rubinstein's son was crazy no no father was. oh his father yeah yeah, yeah. sad but true with uh, rubinstein i also played some blitz game in belgium in antwerpen wow what a, yeah, so so many so many stories. It's amazing. Um, and uh, speaking of um, of chess books, as you you just mentioned a couple, we, Brian Karen also mentioned. He said that that your book, The Best Move, is a classic, and he wondered how you and Yansa decided on the format and content of the book. <laughs> well, actually, the whole idea was mine. You know, Yansa was very happy that he could participate in this. We play, we wrote it on my uh, weekend house in Prague still, and uh, it had a really a success. This book was uh, translated in all languages: in Dutch, in Icelandic, in uh, Russian, naturally. And he is very famous, and uh, the book is very famous, and I am glad that it uh, had such a success, yes. Yeah. Uh, there have been good uh, examples. We did it uh, like Dr. Eve or somebody like this, and the book was really world success. Yeah, I don't know if you saw this quote um, that Boris Gelfand gave about the book, but he said, 
I discussed it with Jakob Agard, and he said that the vast majority of the positions are correct under computer analysis. This is amazing. Yeah. He says, I saw yeah. it in my, in my childhood, and I have some very nice memories. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, uh, well, I was glad that we wrote it. So, so many of these classic books, I mean, they still have great value to read, but a lot of them, when you plug them into the engine, you do find lots of mistakes. So what, what do you think it is about your approach for the book that, that enabled you to have such, uh, such correct analysis? Yeah, we analyzed very deeply and very long, and we gave, and of course, we work still without computers or this, but we spent a lot of time. I think, therefore, we spent, uh, we, we repeated, and we were sp spending uh, sometimes almost one week or one example. Yeah, I guess there's no substitute for, for hard work. <laughs> well, yes, you have to work if you want to achieve something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so jumping around a little bit, just because I've got so many questions from supporters of the podcast, and I want to be sure to get to them all. So this next one is from Jason Murray, who says, uh, Grandmaster Hort, thank you for being on the podcast. You have played some of the greatest players of all time. I'm curious which of them, if any, was the most intimidating to play against. Um, and also, did you change your preparation based on who you were playing against and their playing style? Thank you. Hi. Well, uh, I shall uh, mention probably Polukaevsky, yes, <laughs> because uh, we played this match, uh, and uh, you know, the, I still remember Fischer was also there, and he was crying. You know, there was some quarrel, Nidor Fereshevsky, and Fischer said, No, don't bother. Lastly, you will play the f fourth place. So I played Polgarski and I won two and a half to one and a half. And we were very active on the first board. So we beat it Russians. Fischer won against Petrosian three to one and I won and Portish won with Korchnoi. It was very nice match. It was uh, oh, hundreds, you know, in Belgrade. It was incredible how many um, spectators they have been there. And, uh, uh, you know, they were sold out the ticket. We played in some trade union place where 2,000 people could get in. And it was all days sold out. Amazing. Nice memories. Yeah. And, and you've got some, some, great, so, some great stories from away from the board in that, in that, uh, that tournament as well. Um, yeah. Do you have any like when you think of it? What what's what's your first memory uh, of that match and that? Well, I still see these uh, people in front of me, and ah, uh, uh, well, it was nice. You know, if you are young, it's everything very nice, and there is also. One night there where I am playing Nydorf on the free day and Bobby Fischer in the book, if you read it, it is a beautiful story. Yeah. Excellent. On yeah. The free day. 
Um, and I want to hear some more stories about Bobby Fischer. But first, uh, Grandmaster Hort, we're just going to take uh, one more break to hear from our friends at aimchess.com. In case you are not familiar with our friends and sponsors, aimchess.com, we wanted to take a quick break to tell you about what they do. What they do is they collect your games from leechess or chess.com, your site of choice, and look for data-driven trends of things you can work on, such as converting an advantage, a specific opening, possibly tactics, whatever it may be. They create personalized lessons based on your games and even review positions from your games where you may have made a mistake. So I love the product and there's a free version that you can check out. And if you like it, you can subscribe to Aim Chess. If you use the promo code CHESS30, you can save 30% on the cost and they will know you came from Perpetual Chess. The details will be in the show notes, but for now, let's get back to the interview. Okay, and we are back and we've got a few more listener questions. Um, This one is from Stephen Sparks. Thank you for the support, Stephen. And Stephen asks, he says, Vlastimil played many greats over the board, but how does he compare Fischer and Karpov in particular? You've written extensively. Yeah, actually, I like this question. I think that even later, where already Fischer lost his title, he was still following the chess, you know. So he would not give to Karpov any draw like a match, uh, like, uh, for example, uh, Kasparov in this terrible match, uh, 5-3. I got even uh, from Bobby one letter that I like very much. And when I saw him in Budapest uh, 1993 last time, uh, he would not give him draw, so Karpov, uh, who lost um, many kilos of weight already against Kasparov, and Fischer stopped this, uh, was saying me, well, how can Grigoric do this? Uh, yeah, it is like Blasty, they were running marathon, and suddenly uh, they uh, call it off because uh, some players or some runners can get um, sun. Uh, from sun is danger for them, and uh, they stop it for uh, because uh, they are afraid uh, that uh, he will not uh, stand it till the end. Yes, forty-two kilometers. So they stop this. It's like uh, this what Grigory did as a referee in uh, Moscow where Karpov was winning 5-1 and then 5-3, and it was obvious that he cannot keep it. So Bobby would not give him any draws, and he would play till the end. So I am convinced that he would win just because he would not give him any short draws as Kasparov did it, or Gligoric should not, you know, then he stopped to be friend with Gligo. I have this letter from him, and uh, it is for, for me really beautiful that he wrote me, and I have his letter. Yeah. yeah. And you, of course, had many interactions with Fisher over the year. As you mentioned, you got, you got together with him um, in Yugoslavia in the 90s, but also, of course, earlier interactions, mushroom picking. You tell a story of mushroom picking yeah, with him. Yeah. So yes, yeah. 
Yes, there is also photo of me. <laughs> Mushrooms, yes. It was incredible, you know. He really, he did not know anything of this, but, you know, uh, he did not trust me, so he waited, you know. I was really half an hour, I had to eat them. I was just doing from him. But, you know, Agrippina also did uh, this, you know, to all his, you know, Agrippina is famous that he made a... Uh, gift, you know, yeah. mother of Nero. <laughs> um, and how did Fisher's personality change over the the decades that that you saw? Many, 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 much. I did not understood it. You know, I was with him always, but I I don't remember why he started suddenly to be so anti-Semitic. I don't know it. Yes. Maybe uh, who could tell uh, something uh, about this is Eugenio Torre, who um, was in Philippines, also where Bobby was there. And imagine there was one Philippine lady who, uh, you know, Bobby lies in Selfos in Iceland, yes. And uh, this lady claimed that uh, his daughter is uh, also from Bobby. So, you know, they had to make his DNA, you know. Yeah. Um, so they had to put him out. And uh, then suddenly I was very glad that this Japanese lady, she is still, I think, uh, she, she accompanied Bobby there, and uh, she could still take something like she got the hundred thousand of dollars to Japan. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we just have a, a couple more questions, uh, Grandmaster Hort. Um, um, one is about, of course, how chess has changed. Um, so obviously you mentioned that openings weren't your specialty and now they're kind of, for any top player, they they have to be their specialty. So um, I'll get to the question in a minute, but one thing I was curious is just how closely you follow modern chess. Like, where you know, as we record, Vikanzi uh, completed in the past week. Do you, do you watch tournaments like that still? Yeah, I still like watching the tournament, but uh, in this corona time, it's everywhere. We don't play chess now, strictly. So I don't like uh, any online chess, you know. I also always like that my opponent is against me, sitting against me. You know, of course, I follow now the tournament is, for example, this Tata Steel tournament. Well, I follow it. I don't know how was there, what was there with Corona, whether they were just uh, sitting how two meters, you know, we have all these rules. They are very bad. Uh, we don't play now also in Mainz's club in Oberhausen. Yeah. Through Corona, everything is very bad. Yeah, and and obviously Magnus had a, a disappointing result in uh, Tata Steel. Yeah. But yeah, but well, he lost something like fifteen points. Yeah, but, but uh, Feroza, I think, is really new talent, and uh, well, but also a winner later against Giri, it was some among Agnon, yeah, you know, this uh, Hollander, this young. 
that yeah, player with you, him. You I the... played some years ago. Oh, also. did you? He must have been a, a young a kid then, Jordan Van Forest. Yeah, yeah. These from the family, there are seven of them and everybody plays chess. Yeah, yeah, and they're all strong. Also his sisters and those. But it is good that Holland uh, has uh, some nice team now with Gary. And how do you compare uh, Carlson's game? I know you've been on record in the past saying you believe Fisher is the strongest of all time. Um, how do you compare Carlson with uh, Kasparov and Fisher? Uh, with Fisher, well, Fisher had uh, he could play necessary uh, many moves, just the strongest move. You know, eleven. 13 strongest move. I think that nobody can do it. Even Carlson makes a mistake. Therefore, I think it's Fischer, just the strongest player forever. Yeah, and you, you witnessed some dominant blitz performances by Fischer as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible, incredible. He was beating us horrible in in this, uh, where was it, on the sea there, well, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, and we just have a couple more questions for you, Grandmaster Hort. Thank you so much. This has been quite an honor and uh, great to hear your stories. Um, so this one is from Ed Daly, who asks, he says, um, if, you, if GM Hort were a top 10 player today, he'd be interested to know how you think modern day use of powerful computers would affect your, his enjoyment of the game. Obviously, it would have a big impact. Uh, it's not so nice question. Actually, I um, have to deal with computers, uh, but uh, I think we should not, uh, you know, because um, computers can spoil us this pleasure, you know. I did not like it, you know. Pleasure is... Uh, to play chess, just a guy against guy, and um, I don't like much computers. I follow, of course, the chess on internet, uh, but uh, uh, I would prefer they should never come in. These computers, they should not be there. It is uh, really guy against guy. I don't like it much. Yeah, although it's hard to undo it, right? I mean, you can't. We can't. We can't avoid them. We we don't have to play the games on the computer, but we can't avoid the computer preparation. Yeah, yeah, you are right. Um, yeah, yeah. that is what I actually yeah. believe as well. Yeah, uh, Grandmaster Jan Timmen said that he didn't. In today's age, he didn't think he would be a chess professional because of computers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> still, still, I would like to mention the Bobby, who actually we are also thankful to him that he stopped uh, this analyzing Gen uh, games. You know, it is also his, uh, well, would I say it, a good thing what he did for chess. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So he did do some great things despite his uh, personal shortcomings. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah. Okay, so one other question is from Mark Fitzpatrick, which is, um, he says he'd be interested to know what it is about chess that has kept you playing for so many years, um, what what you've enjoyed about the game, and has it changed over time? <laughs> well, 
Well, this question is uh, why start? I tried always to be very natural, you know, uh, and I like chess so much that I cannot live with chess, you know. I am looking now, really, the corona is over, and then I go, my first uh, way is going to my chess club to Oberhausen, uh, near to me, even I have to go by train, I cannot drive car anymore, but uh, the chess club liked me, and, uh, well, I do also some trainer job, I say, okay, uh, now I am a little bit weaker, so I called um, Marcel Bess, uh, Becker, he's an international master. I said, Mark, Mark, you will play now first board. But I am still doing points, very important points for Oberhausen. And I am glad that I, 20 years ago I stopped my playing for Hilgert and I found this club. You know, they yeah. like me very much. Yeah, it's great that that you continue continue to play. Um, do you do you read any do you read any of the literature, any of the new books? Do you read new in chess magazine? How do you how do you keep up with the game? Yes, I uh, of course I like very much new in chess. Imagine <laughs> uh, you know it probably this Norwegian uh, company bought it now. Yeah, big news, Magnus's company. Yeah, yeah, so now he will be there and he will have his politics there on show maybe something of your game, of his game, yeah. Magnus will only get exclaims and new in chess from now on. Yeah, I don't know whether, whether he does it, but they do a lot of things. They buy a lot of things, you know. This is, he has some support in Norwegian. It's very important for chess. Yeah, it is. Uh, they're... One of his companies, Chessable, is one of the sponsors of this podcast. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, I'm a big fan of Chess Twenty Four as well. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, the last question, Grandmaster Hor, is from Cody Noble, who asks, yeah. uh, "What are your favorite activities outside of chess?" Ah, that's very <laughs> nice. Well, look, I am a little bit. Uh, I depend on my. Uh, I uh, try to walk much. I cannot do uh, any sport anymore. Uh, but I like actually uh, walking around the house. I can still do something like 300 meters and all this. I cannot play tennis anymore, like Spassky did it or Keres. Uh, I am rather happy. You know, I am working on my uh, uh, garden. Also, this is possible. I am very much enjoying the that the next uh, uh, month. Uh, I would like to uh, spring. You know, it will give me new uh, new energy. That's great to hear. And uh, you mentioned in the book. <coughs> Sorry, you mentioned in the book that you had become a fan of the NBA on a trip to the United States. So I was wondering if you still follow the NBA or if you keep up with any other sports. No, uh, before I played, you know, I was ice hockey even. I follow very much NBA and uh, um, uh, also ice hockey, you know, uh, my favorite club where I was there once with Fisher agreed, but he did not appear was San Antonio Spurs. Okay. You know? so, yeah. 
So uh, I like basketball, but I like uh, ice hockey. When I was uh, 17, I had to choose, you know, uh, ice hockey or chess. And uh, I had, uh, when I played, you know, I was a goalkeeper. And I had to be on the stadium in three and a half hour in the morning, you know, to just get all this on me, you know, what you have as ice keeper, you know. And I remember still that I had no mask, you know, <laughs> without mask. So uh, imagine, you know, but then I decided for studium and I stopped this uh, is okay activities but i like of course uh, your national league in usa it is uh, beautiful oh thank I you like tampa bay and all this i am following it still today result and well, well sometimes i make even bets on it it is just for fun yeah it, it can be fun for sure and that that's yeah so the and the story that Grandmaster Horde is referring to as he was, <clears throat> sorry, when he was in San Antonio for chess, Bobby Fisher was supposed to go with him to an NBA game, but but Fisher didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm glad Very you cool. went, and I'm glad you chose chess over ice hockey as, as well, as uh, as I'm sure many listeners um, are as well. Thank you. you. Yeah, you're welcome. And and I don't think I have any other questions. Uh, Grandmaster Horde, is there anything anything else you would like to say before we let you go? No, I was rather happy, and I told you, uh, I was rather, you are really also, you know, almost everything in chess, so please, uh, Ben, follow chess, and we will see what it comes, yeah? Yeah. Uh, really, you, you can be uh, happy, because this second part of the book will follow, I have already over. 70 new stories. Excellent. Yeah. And so for listeners, again, the book is called My Chess Stories. Um, here in the United States, it can be a little bit tough to track down, but you can get it shipped from Europe. Um, and we're hoping that our friends at Chess for Less or U.S. Chess Sales or even Amazon uh, get their hands on it. So keep an eye out because there's just so many amazing stories. We we really only scratched the surface in this interview and um, we look forward to more. One last thing I wanted to say before we let you go, Grandmaster Horde, I did just want to give thanks to Michael Boos of the uh, Schockes Fluster yeah. podcast, um, German yeah. language chess podcast, because Michael helped um, helped put us in touch and I greatly appreciate that. Yes, yes, we are in contact with him, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, thank you again, Grandmaster Hort. You please be safe during these last days of the coronavirus, and uh, I'm yeah, sure yeah. Uh, chess fans look forward to seeing you at <laughs> you the chess club. Ben, you do. Okay, take care. No corona. <laughs> exactly. All we right. will make corona. Exactly. We're we're almost there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Big shout out to Matthew Passy, my producer, been helping us for over four years. Much appreciated as always. I also would like to thank everyone who helped spread the word about the show, whether it be by word of mouth or a positive review on a podcast platform. I can't even keep track of all the platforms anymore. 
but every review is appreciated. I also wanted to remind you guys, you are always welcome to follow me or Perpetual Chess on social media. On Twitter, I'm at BennyFisher1. That's where I'm most active. We also have the Perpetual Chess Facebook group where we post every episode and sometimes the guests chime in to continue the conversation. The Perpetual Chess Instagram page is unretired. Follow us at Perpetual Chess where we post weekly clips. If you would like to email me, the easiest way is ben at perpetualchesspod.com. Also, of course, want to thank our sponsors, chessable.com and Chess Aim and Chess Mood. Thanks for helping the cause, guys. Much appreciated and great products that I'm proud to be affiliated with. Last but not least, of course, I want to thank all of our Patreon and PayPal supporters. I would like to give extra special thanks to the following people and entities, chessable.com, David Lazarus of LazmanChess.com, Quality Chess Books, The Capital City Chess Club, The Abysmal Depths of Chess Blog, Adapta Interactive Web Designs and Services, The Apprentice Twitch Channel, Andrew Alharji, Andrew Bach, Anidi Deer, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porto, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, The Charlotte Chess Center, The Chess Central's Chess Blog, ChessMood.com, Chris Flanagan, Chris Lott, Dan O'Hanlon, Daniel He, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, I am Eric Rosen, Eric Tam, Ewan Richardson, Farhan Thawar, Faraz Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Glenn Downing, Greg Harst, I am Greg Shahadi, Gregory Galuk, Guvin Manet, James Holyhead, James Kennedy, Jeff Martinson, Jens Green, Jeremy Nielsen, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromartie, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Cell, The King's Crusher YouTube channel, one of the OGs of Chess YouTube, Lucio Casada Silva, The Law Offices of Stuart Katz, Matthew Feeney, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the famous Mr. Dodgy, The Nerd Nase Twitch channel, Peter Sodi, The Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Reverend Roy Fry, Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Sven Gearson, Thomas Stanix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryant of StrongChess.com, Todd Kennedy, The Vintage Patsers, which is a Chess.com improver group, Wayne Beam, William Hogarth, and I also would like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Viega, Adam Ralph of ChessEngland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alan and Maggie Sue, Alex Pejas, Alexander Markovitz, FM Andre Tarakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Angus McLeod, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Chase, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Chad Hilton, Chess Patser Spain, I'm not sure if that one's a real name, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wainscott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, aka Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Corey Budson, Costa Caras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskoczek, David Brown, David Hamblin, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dalen Shelton, Dennis Parrish, Dirk Durker, FM Donnie Ariel, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ed Mead, Emmanuel Langua Robitai, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, Ian Mason, Indrek Ryland, Felipe Melo Pereira, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Latart Lavoie, Dr. Frank Tortoris, Frank Zananis, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Geert Vandervelde, Gene Stewart, Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Han Schut, Harish Renivasan, Howard Vihan, Jacob Kovach, Jason Apollo, Jason Murray, 
Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Bonastia, James Muir, Jason Woolham, J.D. Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Hoyland, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, Joe Valdez, Joel Thomas Ramos, John Tully, Juan Almogar, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman, Jeff Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, John Quist, John Tully, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joe Rocky, John Thompson, Josh Friedel, Kare Christensen, WGM, Katarina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, Kior Gata of the Lakeshore Chess Club, I am Kostya Kovyutsky of the Chess Dojo, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Cook, Larry Ryforth, Laura Boyovsky, Macaulay Peterson, Mark Fitzpatrick, Mark Miller, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco, Matthias Plock, Mechanics Institute of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Gabel, Nate Solon, Neil Bruce, Nigmat Malajanov, Nicholas Isabel, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Passy Passanen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalva, Richard Hallenbach, Robert Tichi, Robert Turner, Rory Coleman, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwater, Seth Ruzica, Shane Unger, Silver Knights Enrichment, Stefan Roller, WGM Tatia Vabrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Komanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William Brock, William Peterson, FM Zhao Cheng of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Stoyanov. Thanks, as always, for the support, everyone. I will catch you guys all next week. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.